You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to another week of From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, flying solo. Yo. Yeah, this is like the first time in forever that it really is the show's namesake. Krista yep. Lambert, Brandon Atkins, period. I'm fired up about it, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was a, couple, a year and a half ago. How long has it been since we man, started? Man, it's been about 80 weeks. So about a year and a half, yeah. A little over a year and a half. And I remember we were talking about Alabama football, and yes. we thought our stuff was straight fire. Oh, my God. That is the funniest part of this, is I remember after about three weeks, we were like, this is the best show in the whole world. Straight fire. Fire. And now, wow. We're worse. Yeesh. Yeah, if that's at all possible. Tiger freaking Woods. Okay, start off Dude. with all your thoughts. I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. First of all, I thought I was going to cry. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not exaggerating. I was emotional when I realized Tiger's going to win this thing. He's back. And then I had a little pang of guilt because I was willing to completely set aside what a bad human being he demonstrated himself to be. Yeah. And then I realized I'm I'm a bad human being too because I don't care. I love Tiger Woods. Right. And maybe it it opened a window into my soul. And maybe I'm just a bad person. No, I don't think so. You don't, are you sure? No, I know you're sure. I know you're sure because he's he's already paid times a hundred for what he did, and I know this because you know you know Melinda. I'm dating Melinda right now. You know how she would be like straight up. If a man's treating a woman wrong, then that's fine. She even said that he's paid enough. I said, look, he's already paid enough. It's time to pull for this guy. It's a redemption story. This is going to be getting me in trouble. He cheated on somebody, though. He was a bad husband. He did. He didn't commit murder. Well, think think for a second, and I don't want to minimize this, but he did cheat on his ex-wife. Yes. I don't think she's any worse for wear. I think she's doing okay. I mean, when you you – Project this situation onto most folks. There's a picture of a victim. You know, oh my God, I'm a single parent now. What am I going to do? I think she's doing all right. Well, let me break it down like this. Like, he was not the best person ever. He would scoff at, you know, autograph requests. He would go into the media room and be mean to the media. He was not faithful to his wife. All those things are not good things. Are we talking about Bill Belichick? Maybe. I, I don't know. Because <laughs> everything you just said about him is is true. 
But the thing about it is he he's not a horrible human being, and he's rode down this road where he had to get on certain medications to try to get right. He thought he was in California when he was in Florida one time, which is bad. But the problem the, – the thing is, is that, like, all the haters, get over it, man. You're witnessing greatness right now. Once in a lifetime. And have you ever seen a gallery like the one Never. that – it, it it reminded I was trying to like come up with comparisons and I had nothing. I mean, you're talking about sheer euphoria. Everybody there, not a dissenter among them, everybody pulling for Tiger Woods. Justin Rose comes off after having won the FedEx championship and apologized laughingly because he's like, I'm ten million dollars in the bank now, but said I'm sorry and recognized everybody in this joint. Wants Tiger to win. I walked up to it. You, you know, this is America. You can't get three people to agree on anything. America. There is a pretty good chance that before the end of the day, you and I will disagree strongly I, about something. I'm kind of counting on it. Probably. I walked up to a group of about seven guys that I know, and they know what I do. They know how much I love Tiger. And that was the first thing. Tiger. And I said, man. Justin Rose just won the FedEx championship and nobody cares. And out of this group of now eight of us, one guy was like, God, I hate Tiger. And everybody looked at him like, what did you just say? To get seven out of eight people to agree in America. Yeah. And I think that's indicative of what you see everywhere. You talking about your girlfriend. My wife was like, oh, my God, this is happening. You know, and she's as militant and as vigilant as anything when it comes to, you know, how women ought to be treated, women's rights and all the rest of that. I think he has paid his debt. When was, when was like his last said. major? His last major? Yeah. I don't know. His last tournament win was six and a half years ago. Okay, six and a half years of torture. It's not enough. All those people who like have it out for Tiger and, you know, holding up the fort for like Nicholas. I hope he gets Nicholas. So do I. I really do. I really do. And he's already paid for all that. So just whatever you're – all of us have made mistakes. They just haven't been on that stage. And none of us are as talented as Tiger. So just get over it and enjoy how what a good golfer he is. Well, it would also have been easy if he had just packed it in and said, you know what, all this going on, which obviously got in his head, and then to compound it with serious, serious injury. We're in absolutely uncharted territory. His spine is fused. Right. I've gotten up wrong out of bed some days and been like, I can't swing a golf club This today. morning. Yeah, this I, morning. Uh, no way could I be expected to swing a golf club because I slept wrong last night. This guy's spine has been fused. Can I say one thing? You know, you everybody's, trying you to, like. everybody's trying to say, you know, is Tiger back? He looked back. Yeah. As long, I'm not talking about his game. Don't take your hat. Don't take your hat off, Tiger. No, you keep the hat on, brother. But his physique and how he swings the club and how good he looks is back. Like he looks. Like, if you like took that picture of him this past weekend and you know said it was from 2000 and I don't know three, you would think. Yeah, that's him of old. He, Until he took his hat off. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, man, that's going to happen to all of us. It's happening to me right now. But McElroy, 
who's like, I guess, well-liked and stuff like that, he was the very first one that says no one's afraid of Tiger anymore. He came out publicly and said, we're not, we're not afraid of Tiger anymore. Someone looked afraid of Tiger when they were paired with him, and somebody made it a point to run away from the gallery. Tiger now has a home. If he's in contention, he's going to have a home field advantage from here on out because everyone in the golf community is going to be pulling for him. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think I, I, be, I will be interested to see going into next season how long this lingers. You know, it's kind of like the triple crown in, in horse racing. Yeah, everybody was about it. We got to have a triple crown winner. Yep. We got to have a triple crown winner. We went a million years. We got one and it was like, all right, we hate horse racing again. Yes. Yep. You're right about that. But and I think So, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe because of how close he is to breaking such amazing records, maybe it carries over and it continues to propel the ratings of golf. I kind of think that it will, but I wouldn't be shocked if the lay people out there who ordinarily don't tune in just kind of are like, all right, well, Tiger did his thing. I saw that. Let's get on back. Think about uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa during the the chase to 61. Has baseball ever been popular, more popular in your lifetime? No. And then once they got there, it was like, oh, okay. Well, they got there and then – and then steroids and all the rest of that. Yeah. But but honestly, folks that were pretending at that point that they didn't realize there was something going on, come on. Yeah, but to your point, it brought me in, the casual baseball fan. I actually started watching Cubs games because my friend's a huge Chicago Cubs fan. Who were you pulling for, McGuire or Sosa? Sosa. Were you? Me too. Yeah. I like Sosa with the, you know, the – the chest pump and all the rest of that. I don't. I mean, the Cubs were more lovable too than the A's or whoever. No, he was playing for St. Louis. Yeah, Martin he was with the Cardinals. So they were just more lovable and maybe more relevant to you know whatever I was following at the time. But yeah, I was at Sam. I had a, one of my best friends. I was in Chapel Hill still. He was a huge Cubs fan, and that just reeled me in. So huh. every time we would hang out, go to the bars and stuff like that, we would watch the Cubs and watch Sammy. And Sammy but I'm had, a huge Reds fan, and every time I see you, I'm like, hey, man, you want to hang out and watch the Reds? You're like, dude, i got to wash my hair. So you were better friends with him. I well, think maybe I just that. Eric Davis should have hit more home runs. Yeah, you know, whatever. He got Eric Davis got more World Series rings than Sammy Sosa. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's a true story. Fair enough. So there you go. I, I'm pretty sure you're surprised that I pulled Eric Davis. Yeah, the Eric the Red, man. My, one of my all-time favorite Reds, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Number 44, oh, yeah. patrol in center field at Riverfront. Look out. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. This weekend, there was a lot of history. Tiger Tiger was something. I, I'll tell you, I told you I almost got emotional. Um, I, I'm not even going to – I can't understand. I did get emotional. I didn't cry. But it really kind sure, of warmed my house. I'm positive. I didn't cry. I'm not a crier. Um, my wife is not a big fan of criers. That would have that would have not gone well. Would have knocked me down a couple notches. And and I don't have many notches left to get knocked down. So I'm I'm good. But no, it was it was amazing to see. And like I said, the groundswell of support and the way the gallery reacted. It even made Tiger smile. And in moments like that, you know, he's not one to to have a moment of levity. Right. 
But even he was like, oh, my God, this is out of control. It was just an amazing sight. And we have seen, you know, back in Arnold Palmer's days where galleries sort of swarmed and chased him up the up the final fairway and things like that. But to, to have seen this in this day and age with so much cynicism in America where nothing is right, we complain about even the things we love the most, the NFL right now, all we're talking about is, oh, my God, this roughing the passer sucks. Helmet to helmet, get get it right. Baseball's horrible. The Warriors have broken the NBA. We don't have anything good to say about anything. Everybody sort of rallied around and was like, hmm, Tiger, you're awesome. Thank yep. you for delivering such a great weekend. I'll be honest with you. He, all by himself, reshaped my weekend plans. I had every intention of going to Charlotte to the Bengals-Panthers game, and that was one of the primary considerations. Oof. So Tiger's going to really, win this thing. He really saved your weekend then. Yeah, well, you know, we'll talk about that as, as we go on. A, a historic weekend in the in the NFL for people that was really paying attention. Um, some amazing numbers achieved, um, not the least of which the Cleveland Browns off the schneid. First win in over 600 days. I am a Browns hater to my core. And I can't lie, I was happy for those cats. To oh, see yeah. the folks in the stands in particular, their reactions, their relief that this this unbelievably bad string has been broken was great. Adrian Peterson, though, who thought this guy was going to come back and be a legit 1A running back in the NFL again? 100-plus uh, yards, couple of touchdowns. He's doing his thing and looks good he can thank, doing it. He can thank Chris Carter for telling me he couldn't do it. Right. Is that what it is? Chris Carter said he should just retire. You know, they're both Vikings, right? So Chris Carter said you should just retire, and that's all Adrian Peterson needed to go ahead and, like, just get that, that extra extra boost, boost. I think he's, like, fourth or fifth in rushing in the, in the NFL right now. That's unbelievable. Which is pretty crazy. Given where he has come from, and talking about having paid your debt, um, you know, regardless of where you come down, Adrian Peterson found himself in a bad spot. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We're just getting warmed up. I'm Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins. You can hear us every Wednesday morning, 9 to 11 on Ironic Media. Check the interwebs for that. Not too hard to find. Download the podcast. Check us out anytime. I love when people walk up to me and are like, hey, just saw a new show came out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty rewarding. And they come in the strangest places as well. It's interesting. I don't know if you recognized our newest addition to the shelving in here. Um, we have a 
series of shelves that take up the largest wall in studio. And there is plenty of memorabilia up there. And up till today, my favorite piece in here was a championship trophy that is a beer stein from the inaugural Brick City Dodgeball Classic. Brandon and I both had one of those. I'm not even sure which one of ours is still here. It's yours. Okay. I got mine in my bedroom. I pet it every once in a while. I'm like, yes. Mine from the first tournament is here. But joining us today, and if it could speak, I would interview it. And it would say really cool things about me. I have my championship trophy from Brick City Dodgeball Classic Part 3. So I think that's two of them that I own. I think that's more than you. But I'm I'm just guessing. It is. But Mm. we know why. Do you want to talk? Do you want to tell on yourself? Not a bit. Not a bit. Nick Hoffman, you can tell the story. Nick Nick will be the first one to correct you about your version of the story. Next time we see him and have an adult beverage in hand, I will have him unsolicited tell you the story. I don't know, man. So I had some people come to the tournament that I used to work with, and Ken Britton was in my ear. Are you going to be here? Are you going to be on our side? Are you going to be on our side? And I was like, well, I got so many peeps. Maybe you should just take – Kristen Lambert, and they begrudgingly just took you, and of course, y'all won. And I guided them to victory. Along with my buddy, Chris Rodriguez, that I pulled out of the stands who played in blue jeans and Timberlands, by the way. That's dope. That was dope. So, one way or the other. You have two. I'm eating those W's. Eating them W's. Like That's what I do, baby. Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic, Hold who on. has now been anointed the starting quarterback in Tampa Bay. The new the new jingle is ooh, 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 Fitzmagic. I tell you what, you he almost pulled, a, almost pulled a rabbit out of his hat on Monday Night Football. Um, I turned that game off. Whoa. Yeah. That's not like you. No. I was – a lot of studying, a lot of things going on. I couldn't take it. I was like, oh, I can't watch the Steelers run through these guys any worse than they are already. And wake up this morning to find out that, oh, Fitzmagic almost pulled a rabbit out of his hat. That Steelers defense is atrocious. It's not good. It's not like the linebackers of old. Um, now, they're missing impact players on that defense, period, whether it's in the secondary. You know, we, re- we grew accustomed to Troy Polamalu out there for years. But they always had the big-time names, the big scary pass rushers coming off the edge. Nah, it's just not the same thing. T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, not bad ball players, but they're not difference makers. Fitzmagic had two tipped balls. Otherwise, Tampa Bay yes. would have won that game. Yep. And on top of that, um, the Steelers' defense can still go east-west. If you want to know how to beat the Steelers, if they have a poor pass rush and you can get the Big Ben, do that. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. But – they can only run the ball north south, east, east west. They have, seem to have a hard time. I don't know. I mean, it's. Are we talking about on offense or defense? You just I'm sorry. lost me completely. I'm sorry. I, I was not very clear right there. When they're trying to defend, if you run north south on the Steelers, 
you can penetrate their defense. Well, that's by virtue if of that 3-4. If you go east-west, you have a hard time. Well, yeah. I mean, from sideline to sideline, Pittsburgh's still got speed out there. But up the middle, the inside linebackers are not what they once were. They, and they've got issues at the safety in particular. Earl Thomas is looking for a new home. Earl Thomas would be a perfect fit in Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell would be a perfect fit with Russell Wilson out in Seattle. Why is it so difficult for teams like that to look across at one another and say, hey, this would be a perfect match? Made in heaven, even. What do you I think? Don't know. I mean, I'm not in the habit of doing any favors for anybody from Pittsburgh, but Steelers. Lev Bell, the best you can hope for is you're going to get him for five or six games at the end of the season and a possible playoff run if you guys are there. Well, I think that's the point. Is like, are you going to rent him for like a couple of, you know, five or six? Well, both seven these years? guys are in contract years and one out of what they're in. But one's like at the very beginning of the prime of his career and the Ooh. other one's not. Le'Veon Bell. Dude, right? What running back in the league other than Adrian Peterson is other older than about twenty seven or twenty eight? The shelf life on these guys is nothing. All right. And so Bell Le- has already missed significant time twice. Le- Le'Veon Bell is doing the right thing from an injury standpoint. He is not the most durable of backs. If Le'Veon Bell had played against Tampa Bay on the Monday night football game, that would have been a blowout. He does so many look, I mean I watch Antonio Brown super close mm-hmm. because I have him on my fantasy team, right? They create space for each other. Collins is not the answer. He's pretty – I mean, once he picks a direction, he's going there. Le'Veon Bell takes his patience. He takes time when, when he's going to run the ball. That is very rare, and he's what? Is well, he's he 25, a, I mean, nobody, nobody's ever employed – the technique that he does running the football. There's never been a more patient back in the history of football. However, what you just said is interesting because last year he held out the entire camp, showed up basically the day before the regular season, and came out and for the first month of the season was horrible. I don't know why suddenly the Pittsburgh Steelers expect that he can come back at week 9 or 10, and he has to be back before week 11 or he doesn't get paid at all, doesn't accrue a year of, of, of uh, service, and does not reach free agency. So he'll be back. But at the end of the season, we've already seen how this plays out. It's going to take him a month to get back right. So by then, you're looking at a couple of, you know, a couple of games left in the regular season and into the playoffs. If the Steelers can lock down a playoff spot without him, then you've got fresh legs and it's a great situation. Pittsburgh is not the world beaters that they've been in the past. They can score with just about anybody, but they're going to give up yardage to everybody they play. Right. So they're in a precarious spot. You give me Earl Thomas for the next 13 weeks, that defense is markedly better. And Pittsburgh's already showed they could score. I mean, they get beat by Kansas City, but they go out and put 37 points up. They put 30 up last night on an okay Tampa Bay defense. 30 in the first half, as a matter of fact. So Pittsburgh can already score whether Le'Veon Bell's in there or not. Anybody that thinks James Conner is going to fill the void left by Le'Veon Bell is just delusional. However, that offense with Conner in it, still pretty doggone good. That defense, whether Lev Bell shows up or not, still sucks. And McDonald, that tight end. Dude, Vance McDonald, I don't think you've seen it. It just broke 
But Chris Conti, who received one of the sickest four um, <laughs> stiff arms that you'll ever see, he's on IR. I bet he came into the he came into the game with a knee injury. On that play or very close to it, aggravated the knee injury out for the year. And yeah. and that story, no matter what, that story is always going to be that Vance not, Vance McDonald stiff armed him onto the IR. That is a replay you will see for the next 20 years. And people are going to remember, yeah, Chris Connie went on IR after that. That was pretty Dude. nasty. Oh, and, man. And it happened right on the Pittsburgh bench. So they were like, oh, and I would I would tell people not to get too crazy. They still have Jesse James. And if you remember, preseason uh, Jeremy Shockey gave a very similar, like, pancake stiff arm. Let's not go crazy, but that dude is pretty nice. Well, I mean, Vance McDonald's been in the league for a dozen years. I mean, he's been a journeyman tight end, you know, doing his thing. That gets to be the defining moment of his career, though. First of all, he's probably never going to have, probably never has, never will have another 75-yard touchdown. But in the midst of that, to deliver a shot like that in prime time with the entire country watching. And then Conti just compounds it by sort of sitting there on the ground watching Vance McDonald go down and score. It's beautiful. In the sidelines, jumping up and down. Yes. And my, you know, I was watching, you know, I was watching at home. My kids are talking to me, and as soon as I saw that straight arm, that like hand to the face, I was like, "Y'all need to shut up right now." I need to watch all the the replays of this. Y'all need to shut up. And I guess that leads us to the you know the physicality of the game. Do you want to talk about this at all? I mean, I, I know it's played, but when you got what was it, Gerald McCoy, who during he. During the hit on Roethlisberger, he said, I'm sorry, during the hit. Have we gotten to this point where you're like saying, hey, Kristen Lambert, I'm sorry I'm about to do this to you, but you're apologizing as you're doing it. The, The Where we are moving very quickly, the last thing left for these defensive coaches to do is going to be to have these defensive linemen not sack the quarterback. Which is bizarre, and I'll elaborate on the other side. You're listening to From the Sheep Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. 
Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now... From Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on dance, I gotta sing, rock song, blues sing. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins here. Talking about a historic weekend in sports and in the NFL. And I, I want to ask you a question. And and you, you're not prepared for this, so I apologize oh, in sweet. advance. Morton Anderson's all-time record for field goals has been tied now by Adam Vinatieri. 565 field goals. And given the tirade that you went on last week, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm not prepared at all to talk about it. I'm just kidding. Um look, I'm I'm torn because so many historic moments have been when it comes down to a field goal. Yes. It builds drama and all that stuff. I get it. But I do feel ripped off, especially if I buy a ticket to a game, right? So if if I'm in house and I you're looking at me like keep this short. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm in-house, I hate for it to come down to a kicker hitting a goalpost and it creaming off to the creaming off to the right after I've invested that much time, travel, money, all that. But I get what you're saying. I get where you're setting me up and about to go. No, I, I just I, – I, I do wonder, and it is, there is some irony here, given that you proposed last week that we eliminate kickers from football altogether. I We're never going to agree on that. I didn't really that. say that. I said – in the game, field goals. Got it. I had more people ask me over the course of last week, well, what about this? And everybody had an idea for how to fix overtime. It was interesting. Um, some of them, you know, just want to play alternating series, sort of like they do in college football. And 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 the folks that did propose that, I told them, well, you're, you're messing with stats. Well, don't count those stats. Well, okay, so you're pretending it didn't happen. That's that's the interesting piece of that. I'm not saying it's not the answer. I know that the system we have now, shortened to 10 minutes, is dumb, and it doesn't work. It's not going to work. It won't last long. Um, we did make it through week three without a tie. We didn't manage to get through week one or week two. I still stand by, though. I am not as averse to a tie as most other people seem to be, and I'm willing to respect their opinion. Because that was another thing I got a lot of feedback on. What do you mean? You're okay with ties in the NFL? Oh, yeah. 
And my way of looking at it is that, you know, you've got a whole bunch of teams. Generally in the league, you're going to have one team that's 14 and 2, 13 and 3, and then you've got a bunch of 10 and 6 and 9 and 7 teams that are all lumped together, and somebody ends up getting into the playoffs based on a tiebreaker. What better tiebreaker to separate the teams that go and those that don't are the teams that got to win rather than winding up with a tie? I feel you. You're a Bengals fan, yeah. big time, right? Mm-hmm. But you watch almost every – in some way, you know, you might TiVo it or whatever it's called now. You watch all the games, right? I do. I, I see – there's not very many weekends go by in the NFL where I don't see at least a little bit of every game. Okay, so what if you only watch one team? Like, put it from that perspective. Like, if you vet, invest your whole – whatever you're spending on it, like four or five hours on that one team – and you see it end in a tie, you're walking away from that, I don't know, you have, what, 16, 17 weeks, but 16 actual games during the regular season. And you're like, all right, well, I spent my whole Sunday watching this, and it's a tie. Well, it's funny you say that, because I watch the Bengals religiously. I'm a, you know my whole Sunday is, is planned around when the Bengals are on. And if they're on on Thursday night or Monday, whatever – that's what drives my schedule for that day. Right. The Bengals actually tied the Panthers a few years ago. And it was one of those games and they they I mean every team has got a tie here, a tie there. The circumstances have determined how I felt about that. There were a couple times where the Bengals didn't deserve to win a game, walked away with a tie during the course of my life and I'm like, "Hoof." Normally that has to do with whether they're on the road or at home. There's times where there's disappointment. With you look at the 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 Steelers and the Browns tie in week 1. Two different fan bases walked away from that game feeling completely different ways. I'm certain there wasn't a Pittsburgh fan in the world who was like, "That's satisfying." Cleveland Browns fans on the other time are like, "Oh my god, the big bad Pittsburgh Steelers didn't beat us." Now, did they have a parade? No. I think that's a unique situation though. Well, fairly, it, that, fairly that, that is a, that is a very extreme situation, certainly. Um, but like I said last week, is if ties are going to become a real thing, that has to shape the end of game strategy for teams. Because in the NFL, you'll see it now and again in the NCAA. But in the NFL, when was the last time you can recall a team near the end of a ball game going for two to win instead of the tie? It doesn't happen. None of these coaches have the stones to do it. It happens in the NCAA on occasion, especially if a if a prohibitive underdog on the road has a chance to win it in regulation, they'll go for two. And I admire that. You're going to put it all on the line on this one play as opposed to trying to stop these guys more times than they can stop me. The NFL coaches, if this if this continues to be a pattern, they need to shape their end game strategy that way. And how exciting would that be? Versus an overtime, which are always anticlimactic, you know, unless you want to go back to Tim Tebow beating the Steelers in the playoffs, you know, on his first real pass of the game when he hits Demarius Thomas for a touchdown. But most overtimes are end up being anticlimactic anyway. If it came down to with 13 seconds left in the game and the Panthers are going for two to beat the Falcons, I'll take that any day of the week. That's a you know score you you win. Don't convert, you go home sad. That's the type thinking 
that is to blame right now because it's just kind of an assumed thing. I'm with you, but I mean, a lot of that has to do with the, such a, a short hook on NFL coaches. Like if they make the wrong, oh, they didn't go for it. If they did go for it, then you know, if you're Owen, I mean, look at John Gruden, who is on the longest hook in the history of hooks. He, he's going to be a lo- the- <laughs> longest hook, but the fans won't put up for that very long. I guess my point is. You know, if you're on the hook for making these decisions and going for it and not going for it, I totally – if I was in a coach's – NFL coach's position, I would go, all right, let's kick it and tie it up. But well, it, now it Mike makes Tomlin, for like a boring product. Well, like, Mike Tomlin's one of the one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin, I'm certain, without even having to look it up, has gone for two more than anybody else in football. They go for extended periods through the through the season where they go for two exclusively, and they usually come out to the good. Now, that's a high-powered offense. They like to kind of put their foot on the opponent's throats, and not every situation is Mike Tomlin. Not every coach out there is playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm, but they are a team that, you know, will go for it. And that sometimes is rewarded, sometimes they're not. Riverboat Ron. Remember in the Super Bowl year, every gamble he took seemed to go right. Every other year, it seems like they've missed. Almost let Cincinnati back in the game this week and went in an inexplicable gamble that didn't make any sense. Um, we were actually communicating during the game, and you're like, Riverboat yeah. Ron. I'm like, dude, thank you. That was a gift. And the Bengals weren't able to convert it. Yeah. So by nature, you're right. These NFL coaches know there's a million eyes on them. There's a lot of pressure. They're not going to take an awful lot of chances, but maybe that needs to change a little bit. Okay, you know, I so maybe I softened my message a little bit. You know me. I'm like less government, right, as a general rule yeah. in politics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know what to do about it. I, I think I just, as a consumer, I, I just don't like seeing hard-fought battles in the NFL Decided by a field goal. Kick. Well, what, I just I just don't like it. I, and so that's whatever, fair enough. So whatever the solution is, I don't know. I'm not smart enough, but I just don't like it. Well, like the solution is, a, like I said, the solution is certainly not what's being employed now. Shorten the overtime period to 10 minutes and keeping the format that was there previously. And the proof is in the pudding. We had ties in back-to-back weeks for the first time in God knows when. We didn't get one in week three. We'll see what week four, five, and six hold for us. I don't think there's as many people consumer-wise that are wound up about the overtime as they are about this ridiculous roughing the passer rash of penalties that are being called. Fair enough. I don't know who at Park Avenue doesn't understand that football, first of all, is a collision sport, and we consume football because it's a collision sport. And you're taking a guy. Look at let's let's consider for a second Khalil Mack. Yep. Khalil Mack got that enormous contract because of the impact he has in the passing game. Now, if we look at him from a historical perspective, and you look, let's say Khalil Mack puts up 15 sacks in a season. That's about one a game. That's impressive. And that's a that's a high water mark. It's a big deal. However, when you step back and you think about that. You're seeing quarterbacks that are throwing the ball anywhere from 45 and 55 times a game. Right. So if a guy is going to come up with one sack over the course of a game, it might be 2% of the dropbacks 
that that quarterback had. Now, you take that and think about that for a second and think about the days of Bruce Smith, Reggie White, those guys that were playing 20 years ago. Then you go back even farther to Deacon Jones and guys like that and how disruptive they were when they were putting up 15 and 20 sacks and quarterbacks were only throwing the ball 25 times a game. Pass rushing in the NFL, especially the edge rushers, have become unimportant in a lot of cases. Well, you know how like all some of the the hot golfers in town, it, it, like in the news now, modeled their game after Tiger. It's because they watched them twenty years ago. So now all of the quarterbacks in the league, their heroes were the quarterbacks that are like it, you know from 20 or 30 years ago. When you have – my point is that, that Tom Brady's come out and says he likes a more physical game. That's why he likes – he likes Dude. it. And you may roll your eyes, but that's fine. Ben didn't go so far because the Steelers really benefited from some weak calls. Absolutely. The one where he got tapped on the head and went down, that was that, funny. With uh, Pierre Paul. Yes. That, that was the weakest call I've ever seen in my and, life. and Ben sold it. I want a more physical game. Watch this. And just crumbled to the ground. But it was I also ridiculous. understand. I also understand. Like if he gets thumped on the head, he's going to fall down. He's going to be glad to take the call. You know, you used to play basketball. I'm sure there was like a phantom as you were going to the hoop, a phantom foul call on you, and you were like, "That's right," and one. Yeah. And you took the call. So I don't blame the quarterbacks, but when the quarterbacks, oh, it's certainly not their fault. When you have Big Ben, who's like top, you know, everybody it shifts top five, top eight, and then you have Brady coming out and saying, it's a little weak out here, y'all. Well, here's the thing. That's a problem. Of course it is. And I just said that, first of all, you've already made your edge rushers, which are some of the most exciting players on a football field. You've already minimized them because of the way the game is called. You know, bump and run is almost dead. Right. You know, you don't get any grabbing at the line of scrimmage. Remember when it was a three-yard bump rule and you really had contact? Well, first of all, remember when we had contact? Then they changed it. Well, we're going to have this bump zone. And it just keeps getting to the point. Now, anything downfield is illegal contact. The other piece of it is it's so unbelievably subjective. It Nobody knows from crew to crew, game to game, what's going to be called and what's not. Right. And we get to the playoffs. You talk about it with the NCAA all the time. You get to the playoffs, and there's just no telling how the games are going to be called. And you have a team like Seattle that's all right during the preseason, and then they get into the playoffs, and they let them play, quote-unquote, and now all of a sudden they're unbeatable. Same thing happened with New England years ago. Indianapolis would be the best team in the league during the regular season. They'd get into the playoffs, run up against the Patriots, and Marvin Harrison and crew would get mugged and face coverage like they'd never seen all year, and it changed the game. Well, now... I got more on that. We'll right, finish that go. up and get to the rest of the NFL. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, 
Would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. As we wrap up the first hour, I'm Chris DeLambert. We are preaching. Brandon Atkins is... uh, is in the choir and I'm turned around at the pulpit right now, I think is what's going on. We were talking about pass rushers and how pass rushers have been mitigated. What? How many plays on a football field are more exciting than Von Miller beating his tackle, making his way into the backfield, and flying and demolishing a quarterback? How many things are more exciting than that? Well, and to your earlier point, and I feel bad for Clay Matthews, Clay's a marked man at this point. To your point earlier, you said there was a certain amount of snaps during the game, and you actually get close to the quarterback maybe twice of those snaps. Yeah, I mean, if you've got if you if you're averaging more than two hurries a game as a defender, you're an elite pass rusher. So, with that said, you're asking them in a fraction of a second to make a decision. And not on ju- only just on a tackle, but how to land on a legit yep. sack. Like, and you know, I felt bad for the rest because like they they're looking, and I'd like to go to the catch after this because there's catches being made as people are bobbling balls out of out of the field of play this year that would have never been counted over the last five or six years. But we, if we can get to it, I'll get back to you. But. The refs like things in writing because if they don't get it specifically in writing about how the play is supposed to be called, that makes them look bad. So they're like overcalling. Like there was, there's already 33 roughing the passes, passing calls this year. That's the stat I heard this morning. Last year, by game, by week three, it was 16. So it's doubled, more than doubled. And what are the refs supposed to do? Like, you know, if you have one of your star quarterbacks throw their hands up, um, then you got a call. It's just like the Roethlisberger, the Paul, uh, Pierre Paul, uh, what do you call that? A, a helmet, in, indirect helmet slap? Yeah, on, I, yeah. I mean, he reached up over his that? lineman in an attempt to swat the pass, and his fingers came down on the helmet, and it's and Ben yards. collapses, and it's fifteen yards, and it changes games. Those calls are huge. Yeah, you're talking about in in some cases being more valuable than a turnover. Those are momentum swings. They're huge plays in the game because invariably on those, it's an incomplete pass. And you're talking about well, the incomplete pass, but we're going to go ahead and mark it off fifteen yards, first down. 
they're game-changing plays. And I'm not going to put it on the referees because the referees are taking their guidance from they're Park doing Avenue. They're whatever they can. The NFL is driving this train. And it's the owners behind this. The owners are looking at it and like, well, we're spending $25 million on these guys. we got to keep them upright. Well, guess what, guys? Jimmy Garoppolo goes out and is lost for the season. Nobody touched him. It's a man's game. And you're talking about Clay Matthews. Don't hit him so hard and propel yourself and land on top of him. Tell him that when he's trying to bring down Cam Newton, who's 245 and built like a brick poop house. Take down, but you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger's nearly 270 pounds. And don't land on him. Yeah, don't land on him with all your body weight. But also get with the people who are, first of all, if we can get to it, Monday Night Football is kind of cool. They did a commercial free halftime. If we get to it, I'd like to talk about that too. But anytime Ben wiggles out of some pressure in the pocket, you know, the, the refs are told to like make calls when the, the quarterback becomes a runner, right? Mm-hmm. And when Big Ben runs out of coverage, they're like, Whoo, look, that's what he does. It's Big Ben. So anytime la- anybody lands a hit on them and you, and you call it, and it's like not even roughing the passer, what is he even doing? It's like it's diminishing what he's actually doing in the pocket to begin with. Like, do you do you feel that or no? I I, I feel like with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, I am seeing more instances of those guys tear away from tacklers who, first of all, you can't hit them around the head or the neck area. Right now, the other piece that's lost in this is that you can't go low on them. Whether it was intentional or not, you can't hit them at the knees or below. So you have this limited window, this limited target zone that you can hit the quarterback in. And now if you essentially hit them too hard within that target area and take them to the ground, which is the whole point of defense, it's a penalty. This is ridiculous. And it's called a – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, this is – this is finally – where we should have reached the end of our rope as consumers. Because the NFL over the last 10 years has been feeding us more and more garbage. And here's the deal. Here's the real situation. Jerry Jones, I don't give a damn how much your quarterback costs you. The quarterbacks in the NFL are only worth $25 plus million a year because you idiots are paying them that much. At the same time, who are the best two teams in the NFL right now, Brandon? Oh, yeah, you're throwing me. Would would, would would the Rams be in that list? Rams. And Does Jared the Goff make twenty five million dollars a year? No, he's on a rookie deal. The Chiefs. Pat Mahomes he's on a on a deal. on a rookie deal. Yeah, that's why these teams are able to build because they've only got a handful of millions of dollars dumped into their quarterback, and they can go get premium players to put around them. Yeah. At some point, they have to make a business decision, but that business decision does not have to be that we're going to give them Aaron Rodgers-type money. Nobody made the Detroit Lions make Matt Stafford the highest-paid player in the league a couple years ago. How's that working out for you? And then let's reset that and roll it back just a little bit more. Let's look at all of these first and second and third-year quarterbacks that are in the NFL. Carson Wentz, Patrick, Mo- and, and um, Jared Goff from three years ago. Right now, arguably two of the best quarterbacks in football. Wentz is making his comeback, doing his thing. Goff is playing out of his mind. You look back two years ago, 
and that draft class. Let's look who's doing well so far. Obviously, number one in that class is Pat Mahomes. Deshaun Watson last year had a hell of a run. Then you've got a guy like, say, Mitch Trubisky. How's Trubisky working out? Not good. What is Trubisky surrounded by? Nothing that any of those other quarterbacks I just said have. He's playing behind a a less than solid offensive line and doesn't have difference makers in the passing game. Look at these rookie quarterbacks that are in the league right now. I can tell you right now that if the Jets don't get help for, for Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's going to fail miserably. Right. If Josh Allen doesn't get some help around him, when your best receiver is Kelvin Benjamin, you do not have a great a, a great receiving core. Name for me another receiver on the Buffalo Bills, and I know who you're going to say, and only because he's from the state of North Carolina. Andre Reid. <laughs> no, I thought you would remember that Zay Jones is out there. Yeah, so, but, but my point is, East is Carolina that project. Kelvin but, Benjamin is your number one option in the passing game. Josh Allen is not in a position to succeed. Had a great game this weekend. Shocked the world and beat Minnesota. It's not sustainable. Just like Sam Darnold putting it on Detroit in week one, not sustainable. There's not enough weapons around him. There's not enough tools at his disposal. Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes is a physically gifted athlete. But he's not head and shoulders and light years above all the rest of these guys that we said. But when you look at the weapons, good Lord. Yeah, I'm with you. And if he tries that stuff that he tried this past weekend, bro, you're going to get hurt. That little S route that they were joking about, you running away from the defense, it's only going to take a couple. And I'm big Pat Mahomes, right? You are. You do that. You try that a couple of times. They're going to see the tape on that, and somebody's going to lay a big time hit on you. And you're not huge. Quarterbacks that are mobile in the NFL, but not big men, do not have staying power. See Michael Vick. Even Aaron Rodgers, for as great as he has been, has been banged up. Well, and to your point, look at how much they paid Aaron Rodgers. To your point. They can't pay anybody else. Well, and Aaron Rodgers is still pissed off that Jordy Nelson left as a free agent and got out of there because the Green Bay wouldn't pay him. Dude, how about you cough up some of that cheese? You don't have enough State Farm money? And at the end of the day, that's, I mean, if you really look at it, Tom, Peyton Manning never gave up a ton of money. No, sir. Tom Brady did. Yeah, he look has. At, look at the success of that franchise having probably arguably or not arguably the best quarterback of all time and had him at a cut rate at a cut rate and he did everything he's basically broken every record had a good team now i feel like that's coming to an end but how many quarterbacks have said nah i mean i'm good not many not everybody has a giselle bro i mean you're good looking and she makes like I don't know, 100 times more than you do. But the problem is is that not everybody in the league thinks like you do, especially if you're willing to pay, to your point, the quarterback all this cheese. And Aaron Rodgers, his injury that just happened is a product of him taking all that cheddar and not getting some people around him that can protect him and not getting the receivers. I mean, Cobb. They would be 
they'd be almost winless without Cobb running it back for like 75 yards. All right, we will finish that thought on the other side. Still more NFL talk, and I want to talk about Jimmy Butler. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Oh, Brandon. Yes? Is everything working right in the headphones? I think so. Man. Ah! That, I think we're good to go, finally. They gave the issue whole, after issue after issue. That's a whole new definition. Can you hear me in the headphones? Yeah, right. I, I'm a little intimidated by the next segment. Not going to lie. We're about to talk basketball without our resident expert. And I'm fearful, to say the least, that he's going to listen and be like, Whatever, guys. All right, let's go for it then. You know what I mean? I, before Brick showed up, I was pretty confident. When we got to talking basketball, it's like, dude, we're killing this. We're on this. And then he shows up and he's like, let me show you how it professionally analyzes that. And he just sort of took the wind out of my sails. Now I'm afraid to talk basketball. You know what I mean? I'm not. No, you're not. I, I love look, Robert's my man. I love that guy, but he's never, a, what's not to love about him though? That's the real question. He's never gonna shoo me off of a basketball conversation. Just because he's like so much taller than me and can jump out of the building and shoot better than me and pass and crossover dribble. Oh wait, that got taken off of like Wikipedia. You did not invent Dude. Dude, how do, which one of you jackasses out there, which one of you assholes edited the Robert Bricky Wikipedia page and took away the attribution to him as having been the inventor of the crossover dribble? There's always people out there with too much time on their hands. You know, had you been so concerned about I don't know, world the facts... Peace. You probably should have built his Wikipedia page. That dude deserved a Wikipedia page 20 years ago. But no, Allah Abdel Nabi's got one. 
Will Chris Carraway's got one. Will Graves had one. Will Graves got one. How did Air Bricky not have one? We go, we put the energy into putting that up there, and then some asshole comes behind and takes down. No, Robert Bricky did not invent the crossover dribble. Well, guess what, guys? No shit. We know he didn't invent the crossover dribble, but we thought, how cool. Yeah. Anyway. I think I just dropped three expletives in a single yeah, segment. That's a new that's a new record, and I'm not even drinking. But trust me, after the frustrations we went through with the board, yeah, it's warranted. It's good. So my thing with basketball, it's on the way, and it doesn't seem right. It just seems like the basketball season. You're talking about NBA, right? Yeah, it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And then pretty soon they're just going to be playing year-round. But here, a major eventuality. Just when we thought LeBron versus the Warriors was going to dominate everything for the next six months, Jimmy Butler decides, you know what, T-Wolves? I ain't doing this anymore. I'm not playing. And the crazy thing is, I expected Tom Thibodeau and the organization there to dig their heels in. They're going to do this. And they've already said, yeah, we're going to make a deal. Well, we're, we're not going to make a bad deal. <laughs> sure you're not. But they're going to make a deal. And Jimmy Butler moving around – is the type of piece that could make some noise for a couple of different reasons. I want to I want to hear what you have to say about the Jimmy Butler situation first, though. Um, I'll just say one thing first. I thought it was interesting in the Monday Night Football game where they had the exclusive interview with Steph Curry at halftime. Is, <laughs> is the NFL? Is the NFL? And the NBA, how are you cross-marketing like that? Why would you, like, have a halftime interview on Monday Night Football with Steph Curry? I don't get it. Y'all are smarter than me, but that's just crazy. They're not smarter than you. They're not smarter than you. They haven't figured out how to capitalize a lot of different things. They don't understand that this is the competition. Seriously, I mean, consumers, sports consumers, even the most dedicated, only have so much time and so many dollars to invest. But it's cool. But Football's I mean, still king. Football's I'll, still king. They, they, they're doing a proper for, you know, Steph Curry, one of the most recognizable athletes on the planet. But so, even you know. they even propped up LeBron James at halftime as well. There's Tim Kupas. Um What I will say real quick, you're talking about the Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler situation. Yes. I'm surprised at, you know, Tom Thibodeau used to be with, what, the The Bulls? Bulls? Yeah. And he was always like this hard-nosed. Still is. Tough coach. It looks like he's got his tail between the legs right now when he's talking about this Jimmy Butler situation. Like, I mean, it just seems like they've, as an organization, they're like, okay, we'll just take whatever you give us. Okay. Well, here's the thing, I, and and this is what went down, and I've pieced this together. There's no doubt in my mind. Jimmy Butler was not the only person on that roster with an issue. I have no doubt in my mind at this point. Carl Anthony Towns told him, I'm not signing that max extension if Jimmy Butler's around. Jimmy Butler is a hard-nosed, no-nonsense guy that comes out and plays 48 minutes of hard basketball. Now, the problem with Jimmy Butler's game is that Jimmy Butler is a great regular season player because he's a max effort guy all the time. The question you have to ask yourself with a max effort 48 minutes 
every doggone night during the regular season is, so what? Right. He's not a superior talent that's going to carry a, a, a team in the playoffs. He is a nice piece. Don't get it twisted. I, I like Jimmy Butler's game a lot, and I'm not trying to poo-poo the energy, but he's not a superstar. Nope. Carl Anthony Towns, here's a surprise for you, Minnesota, and Carl Anthony Towns. Jack Link's commercials aside, Carl Anthony Towns is not a superstar in the NBA either. Now, Carl Anthony Towns, a young man, got a lot of years ahead of him, has physically the potential to be a superstar. But he didn't like Jimmy Butler in his ear. He doesn't like Tom Thibodeau in his ear, truth be told. But Jimmy Butler got out the door is one thing. He can work on getting Tibbs out the door next. Carl Anthony Towns came to the franchise and said, I'm not signing that max extension if Jimmy Butler is going to be around. Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be there with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns who play the game almost exactly opposite of the way he does. Andrew Wiggins isn't interested in anything except buckets, period. He's not going to rebound, not going to move the ball, not going to play defense, and not be particularly efficient on offense. He's one of the more frustrating players in the entire league. He's an underachiever who has never reached anything like star status after having been the number one pick in the draft. He was supposed to be the next LeBron from Canada, right? Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, on the other hand, will fill up the stat sheet on any given night, but when you watch him play, he plays the game with low basketball IQ. He does not play winning basketball. He has fallen in love with being a perimeter player like a lot of these seven-footers. That's not where he's most effective, but he seems to think that's where the paydays are at, and that's where he can extend his career and be on the cover of Wheaties boxes or whatever. I don't know what he's trying to do. But Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins did not coexist well last year. It's probably made a little bit easier because Jimmy Butler made missed so much time. That's a shame. That team going into last offseason was one of the more intriguing ideas out in the Western Conference, and it just never really came to fruition. They got into the playoffs, got bounced. I'm disappointed with what's happened out there. I'm surprised that they're blowing it up this quick, but that, don't misunderstand it, don't read it any other way, that was a Tom Thibodeau move last year. Jimmy Butler was his guy. Tom Thibodeau is defense first, effort, 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 push, 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 doesn't play a pretty brand of basketball. Jimmy Butler played that well in Chicago for him, made a name for himself, and came from being a relative unknown coming out of college to a star in the NBA. And he's missed, Thibodeau's missed the playoffs for the last two out of three years. So he's pot committed on Butler. I get it. Yep. But, like, I mean, have you ever been around a really good player that holds you, you know, accountable that you didn't want to play with? Well, a lot of people have. I have certainly. LeBron James is that guy, too. And it's interesting that in the same breath Jimmy Butler said he wanted to be traded, did made it clear that he did not want to go be with LeBron. Here's what I've been trying delusional. to tell people on Twitter. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Here's the real deal. This is what's for real. There's a reason he has to go to a big market. And it's not necessarily because he's a big market guy. The guy that he wants to play basketball with next year is Kyrie has made it Perfectly clear he's not sticking around Boston. Kyrie wants to go be captain of the ship someplace else. He and Jimmy Butler want to play basketball together. There are a limited number of places they can go and both get max deals. 
the three teams that they threw out there were not teams Jimmy Butler asked to go to. They were not teams that could just afford him. They were teams that could, in theory, afford he and Kyrie. That's what's driving this train. New York, Brooklyn, and the Clippers are the three places he has to go. Whether or not he gets accommodated is a, is a whole other issue. I've been predicting for six months Kyrie and Jimmy Butler were going to end up in Brooklyn together. Brooklyn could bring them and probably another max deal too next year. Could that be Kawhi? I don't know. Could it be Durant? I don't know. There's some options. But if you take that collection of talent and put them in one place at one time, that's transformative. Kyrie cannot win if he's got like a ton of money, like the max deal, whatever you want to call it. He cannot win having another player that's below him. He's proven that. LeBron came in, won a championship. Let me put it to you this way, Chris. We have a radio show, right? We do. We love each other, right? We do. ESPN calls you. Yep. We can afford you, Chris, but not Brandon. Like, we're good boys. We're, like, good like that, right? Yeah. We can afford you, Kristen Lambert. What am I going to be happy with your answer with that, to ESPN? Um, like, I love you, dog. I love you, but... It's been real. And, I, and I'll do everything I can to try to make it happen. I'm bringing Trent and Brandon and Schlepp Rock and Brick and everybody. But in the end, if they're like, dog, we only got room for you, I'd have to take the deal. And so that's why I feel like this is gonna, this is bound for failure because you got two boys trying to play, and they're not I, even that good. Here, like, oh, hold on, on, hold on. Let me back it up. Kyrie okay. is good, but he's like a below the rim player. And how long can that last in this league? Being the guy, it can't last no, that it, long. And Jimmy Butler, you and I have talked about for this. I don't know over a year. He's not that dude. He's just no. not. No, no, no. He's not a superstar. He's like a probably second tier, teetering on third tier guy in the league. In my, eyes. I don't know. Okay, when we talk about tiers, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it like this: Every year you have 15 All NBA players. I think Butler is probably in that 16 to 25 range. I don't think there is a time. In the last couple of years, where he was all NBA caliber, when you look at it in a vacuum, right. Kyrie is playing the worst position possible to be competing to be an all NBA guy because we're absolutely loaded right now with point guards. And you're right, Kyrie is a below the rim player. Kyrie's an astute observer, he gets what's going on. What you just said is the reason he wants to go into the type of situation he's looking for. You just said Kyrie can't do it without a guy like LeBron driving the train. Kyrie has heard that. And Kyrie wants to show the world, oh, yes, I can. Watch me go do this. Whether it's going to work out or not, I don't know. I'll tell you what right now. If Kyrie and Jimmy Butler go to the Knicks and join Porzingis, or if they go to Brooklyn and have Kawhi join them, I'd pay to watch that team. I would too, but Kyrie's still going to be saying the, the earth is flat. And he's going to be saying that he's the man. He's not the man. He's a great point guard, not the man. Get your tinfoil hats out, folks. We'll see you on the other side. I'm Chris Lambert. This is Brandon Atkins. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. 
Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to the Cheap Seats. Yes! From the... The cheap seats. What's in the cheap name? seats, next to the cheap seats, around the cheap seats. So, like, Kristen Lambert is talking to our producer, and he's, like, uh, looking through the window. He's like, uh, um, are you going to uh, say anything? And uh, I kind of, yeah, I was like, little caveman, <laughs> like, uh. It's all good. Yeah, I thought you did a good job with that. My thing, Kyrie's listening to all this. Kyrie has got the ring. Kyrie has got more money than he knows what to do with. All the rest of that. He's got, you know, the commercials and and everything. Kyrie at this point could spend the rest of his career playing with a team. Let, let, let's take this as an example. Let's say that this Boston team stays intact for the next four or five years. In the meantime, there's an injury or two out in Golden State, or Clay leaves, or Durant decides he wants to go someplace else and play, whatever, and Boston wins a championship or two. Given the construct of this team, what has Kyrie done at that point to improve his There's, resume? There is no situation anywhere in the league with a winner, a team that's a winner, where he's going to be the man. There you go. Never. If he goes to Brooklyn and he and whomever else are able to take a franchise like that that has never won a world championship, or did they? They Jason Kidd, when they were New Jersey – that was before the Brooklyn days, wasn't it? I don't know. Any, I digress. My point is, a team that's never been any good for a sustained period, win a world championship in the greatest city in the world, you're a legend forever. Look at Willis Reed. Willis Reed comes off the bench in game six, or in game seven, rather, hobbles around, puts up about 14 points, and is an icon in American sports history because he did it in New York. Kyrie's These problem, guys want to play in the Big Apple. I get it. Kyrie's problem is that now – he would be looked at as a hero if he went to a really young team that was stacked, right? That's, I mean, and, that's what he did when he signed in Boston. Yeah, but Boston's already <laughs> realized that he they don't even need him. I don't know that Boston. I think Boston would love to re-sign him. I really do. But he's like, nah, good. And I don't think it's because he's it's playing because wait that, and see with them. I think he wants to go be on his own. All right, well, good luck, man. Because I mean, as soon as he got to the Celtics. He got hurt and he watched Tatum. Whoa. He watched Tatum. Before he got hurt, he was a legit MVP candidate. That's fine. But when it got down to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, he was hurt. And he was hurt. But if he, had he been in there. And, and, the, and the crowd started chanting, Tatum, Tatum. I got and you. when he done, done LeBron. He was out okay, from that but, point but, on. But your point is, you just said, let's insert Kyrie into that lineup this year. you still got all the other pieces, Tatum in particular, um, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward comes back. This team's loaded. This team should win the Eastern Conference this year. Sure. Kyrie, if you look at that, all of the buzz is going to be about 
Jason Tatum. He doesn't want to be in that guy's shadow. Another he wants doogie. to be someplace. Another On doogie. top of that. But, but, but my point is, is that all of this that we're talking about right now, Kyrie sees it. And he's like, I'm not going to be able to get out of Jason Tatum's shadow if I'm here. You know, this team is loaded. He wants to go. And he's got nothing to lose. He's already got a ring. His resume is not going to improve dramatically if he sticks around and even if they, you know, win a couple of Eastern Conference titles. That's the other piece of it, too, is no matter what they do in Boston, he's got to be a realist. And he's like, look, my shelf life on my career, I don't know how many years I got left, but how many years are we going to be bumping our heads up against Golden State? Let me go do something a little bit different. Well, okay, so I don't repeat the same thing again. What does he want? Like, I mean, what does he want? He wants to be the man. Okay, that's not ever going to happen. And the other thing about that, and this is no knock on Boston, it's one thing to be a good athlete in Boston. It's a whole nother thing to do it in New York. New York is the greatest city on the planet. It's the hub. It's the mecca for everything. That's where he wants to be. Point guards win championships in the NCAA tournament, in the college game. Point guard's purpose, for the most part, unless you were like a dual threat, you could shoot, dish, or to get it to like bigs, I guess in the you know 90s and 2000s. Now, the shooting game is such that if you can dribble just a little bit, make one pass, get across your half court, you can like launch up, I don't know, like a 40-footer and it'd be money, like a la um, any other shooter in the league, Steph Curry. The but point what's your guard point? position has been diminished as being the man. Like you can have uh, we're only four years removed from from Steph Curry carrying Golden State to a NBA championship as a point guard. Yeah, but that's not what he's known for. It's for when he's known for is like they move the ball around, he gets in the top corner and he shoots threes. And like sometimes he drives. He's not a distributor at all. The days of, you know, name every point guard that was ever in the league in the 90s. They were a star. You are not ever going to be a man as a point guard unless you're like um, the guy from Philly. What's his name? Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, who can do everything, post you up, do all that. You're not going to be the man unless I, you have all that. I couldn't disagree more. Well, you're, in, you're, you're talking about a league right now that has Kyrie is one. You've got Steph Curry. You've got Damian Lillard. You've got Russell Westbrook. You've got James Harden, who can call himself a shooting guard, but is not. All those dudes can create their shot and get to the rim except for Kyrie. Kyrie does a little drop shot. It's like a little teardrop. It's like Chris Paul game. It's like you can't get all the way to the rim, create contact, get to the line. I see what's happened here. I see what's happened. What happened? Your your LeBron bias. You can't get over the fact that Kyrie asked out of Cleveland because it was a disrespectful move toward LeBron. That's what's going on. It's really not, man. And you not you and I know a lot about each other. Kyrie, it's not a Duke thing either. If he doesn't have that, I'm talking about a big chip like LeBron James or all of the Celtics. He ain't going anywhere and get add one. And but who do is? And what point man. guard is? Can he be the man anywhere, Chris? I think that can just can he be the man? I think that he can be the man in the same way that Russell Westbrook 
or oh, Damian Lillard no. is the man because they've got fewer rings than he does. Can he go to a team and be the center of gravity? No. He's got to have players around him. That's the whole thing. He's not trying to leave Boston and go sign in Brooklyn by himself and have he and Alan Crabb up there together. They're looking at this and look, look, this is the new formula. Build a super team. Get guys that you want to play with. Put it together. Make a run. Brooklyn's perfectly poised to do this. If I'm not mistaken, they've got about $17 million in committed salary next year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well. So you've got a chance to bring in two or three legit pieces. If you can put a couple young guys around them, make a run at it. I think that's where their heart is at. I think that's what's driving this Jimmy Butler thing. I'm going to say this one time. You know me. I'm not a believer in coincidence. Jimmy Butler announces he wants to get traded. Within 24 hours, the New York Knicks announced that they're buying out Joachim Noah. Now, here's the situation. A buyout for Noah makes perfect sense. But not three weeks from the beginning of the season. What are you going to spend the cap money on? What are you doing with that money that you're going to free up you might as well have just gone ahead and eaten Noah's salary this year and bought him out next year where you would even have more cap savings. I think New York is trying to lay the groundwork. And here's the thing. You said, can Irving be the guy? No. Damian Lillard can't go somewhere by himself and do anything. You look, he out there in Portland with a pretty good supporting cast. Got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. What's Name one, name one point guard. That can't get all the way to the rim and flush it. Steph can Curry, be the guy. I mean, he can still. Steph can, Curry's a below the rim player, just like Curry is. Okay. Now, and I don't want to draw the comparison because I get Curry's one of the greatest outside shooters we've yeah. ever seen. Outside of Curry, I think you're. I think you're discounting Kyrie's ability to get to the ten. I, I just do, and we're just going to have to disagree. He is not the best finisher in the league. He's not a. He's not a high flyer, but he's nifty, a la sort of Steph Curry. All right, so if you're going to be – um, let me just repeat the All words right. that you just said. Sure. Kristen Lambert. Yes. If you, go, if you could go to any NBA team just for the jersey, where would you go? For the jersey? Yeah, just like if your favorite team or the jersey or wherever you wanted to go, your point guard, I'm picking this NBA team. I want to go to Charlotte, man. I want to Charlotte, play with Kemba, you would, who's another guy no, I'm just saying, who doesn't finish at the rim above the rim. Okay, my point is that – um, but I'm no, thinking, my favorite team of my, all time. If I, if I could go one place, um, probably the Sixers. To be okay, honest, you go to the Sixers, and then you want to be the guy. You're gonna be the guy. I, I'm gonna I'm be that guy. Okay, and you're described as nifty. You described this dude Kyrie Irving is nifty, and you're gonna be the guy. Come on, man. Like I mean, you can't be nifty and be the guy, right? Point well taken. You asked for another point guard, and Kimball Walker keeps getting thrown around as a guy that is the you know the missing piece for somebody. Kimball Walker, Kyrie Irving's game, an awful lot of light. I would call Kimba a poor man's Kyrie Irving. Um, look at Tony Parker. Tony Parker's got what five rings. Tony Parker didn't finish above the rim, and Tim. yes, he was he was there with with uh, Tim, Tim Duncan. Duncan. Integral parts, though, and I don't think that I, I don't think that but necessarily fed a, big, fed a big though. I got like, you, but when you say I'm here to be the man, 
that doesn't necessarily mean I'm the guy that's taking all the shots. Somebody has to be the center of gravity in the locker room. And that was the problem with Kyrie and LeBron was never that Kyrie was like, I'm not getting touches in crunch time. He was always the guy getting the ball in crunch time. It was the stuff off the field. It was the getting sunned part of that. I feel you. It, it, it had nothing to do with chemistry on the court. And with the with the Celtics, you saw for three quarters of the season, Kyrie came in, wasn't fussing about minutes, wasn't fussing about touches. One night he'd go out and get 27. The next night he gets 12. He seemed perfectly happy to do that. Obviously, though, there's something in there. He wants more from the locker room. We'll see you finish this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, final half hour, we're reaching the home stretch. And yes. I'm excited. I'm excited. So I'm, and I'll tell you real quick, it's been good to be with you. I feel just me and you. Hashtag blessed. Okay. That's one of my most favorite things in the world to see. Hashtag list. Don't watch us. Tim's digging it. Tim nope. with the silk shirt today. DJ Sleprock and got his got his A game on. How many silkworms died to like make that yeah, shirt? Right. So where where if you had to if you had to place a wager, where's Jimmy Butler going to end up prior to the season? Bro, I I'm gonna defer to you. I okay. just don't know. I would love to see New York figure out a way to make this happen. And bring Jimmy Butler up there to play with Porzingis, the kid Nick Latina that they took out of France last year, who I actually like. I was a little bit surprised. Um, and if they could figure out a way to bring Kyrie up there next year, I think it'd be something. I think the most likely thing that is going to happen is Brooklyn. Um, we'll see. The Clippers have said they're not willing to include Shea Gilgis Alexander, which would be a great get if they're going to lose Butler for the Timberwolves. Right. Um, the Timberwolves are trying to get a little too cute with it anyway. Well, you, we'll give you Butler, but you also need to take Georgie Ding, who's on a horrifically bad contract. Yep. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll see what the market yields for them. Uh, Dallas has said they're out, which was interesting. I thought Dallas would be an interesting fit. And Dallas always you know, doesn't play by standard salary cap rules anyway. So be interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say Brooklyn. Uh, I'm going to say Brooklyn, and I think this is a precursor to – Kyrie coming to Brooklyn with him next year. 
Um, the problem is what kind of value you can get from Brooklyn. But I don't know that the I don't know that the Timberwolves have a whole lot of leverage right now, to be perfectly honest. And now that they have committed that max deal to Carl Anthony Towns, they can't even pretend to have the room to sign Butler next don't year. Don't you so want to see um, Mike's a little hot right now? But Luca Doncic, Doncic, yeah, what's his what, name? Do I want to see him? What do you want to see him play and no, his role be before the Mavs? I don't think he's going to be good. Do you feel like you could post him up? I couldn't post him up. He's taller than me. The problem is he's not going to be taller than most of the twos that are out there. I don't think he's quick enough to be a point guard in the NBA. Um, I think at the two, he is not near athletic enough. Um, I don't think that he's as big as people think that he is. And and time will tell. I would have loved to have seen him in the summer league and actually play against real competition. We didn't get the opportunity. I'm not blown away by his European tape, to be honest. There are some hella talent evaluators out there who really feel like he's legit. But every time you hear that, you look at a guy like Milo Teodosius. Milos Teodosius. Yeah. Expialidosius. Yeah, exactly. Or Dragon Bender and the rest of these guys that come by. When have any of these Euros hit, man? I mean, Porzingis got got, uh, Phil Jackson, you know, roundly booed, and then he turns out to actually be good. But how many of these – how many of these Euros hit? None. Yeah. I mean, you can put your fingers on a couple of them throughout basketball, and the the ceiling for most of them is a guy like Goran Dragic. Is that really going to get you that excited? I mean, if that's what Dallas got was, say, Goran Dragic, okay, great. He's a replacement-level player in the NBA, you know. I guess my point, you know, with bringing up the Mavs is like, I, I really don't know. I think Brooklyn would be the best fit for – Maybe. Um, well, I don't know that Curry. they're the best fit for anybody because they really don't have like, much of anything. They've got D'Angelo be- Russell. Now, that would be an interesting deal for me if they ship D'Angelo Russell in a package to Minnesota because in the short term, Russell would be a nice fit at point guard. Right now they're trotting Jeff Teague out there. Jeff Teague's not going to score on anybody. No. Russell can light you up a little bit. And you put him and Wiggins and Towns together, you've got three guys who don't like playing defense. <laughs> So they'll get along just fine. And they all, you know, like to shoot the ball. If they can spread around. Russell coming off an injury is a nice player. He was he was got lost in the numbers out in LA and got shuffled out so that they could get out of a bad contract. But in Brooklyn, once he was back healthy, he's back playing at a good level, would be a definite upgrade for the Timberwolves and is not going to be brought back in Brooklyn anyway. Especially if they make a run at Kyrie because at that point, you know, Russell's on the bench anyway. So maybe that's the marriage right there. Russell, who's on a cheap contract, Jimmy Butler, who can come out there. And and I think that anybody that makes a deal for Butler is going to have to go into it with the belief that they're going to be able to re-sign him long term. I don't think he's – he's just – you said it. He's not the guy. He's not a star player. He's not a guy that's good enough that he's the rental. You know, he can put us over the top. One exception, though, may be a team that's been rumored here just a little bit. I don't know what they would have to give up, but Toronto would be an interesting landing spot for him. Um, That would make for an interesting 1-2-3 with Lowry at the point, Jimmy Butler at the two, and Kawhi Leonard at three. And you want to talk about good defensive basketball? Butler and Kawhi locked up on the two and three on the the opposition. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, We'll see how it goes. By the uh, way, yes, Kawhi has opened up, huh? 
He started to talk a little bit. He says he's a funny guy or a fun guy. Okay, here's here's was that funny or a fun guy? That's okay. So I've always believed if I have to, if you have to tell somebody you're in charge, you're not really in charge. If you have to tell people you're fun, probably a good rule of thumb to live by. You're not very fun. That's just how that works. Right. Um, I can think of a million other examples. Like, hey, let me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Anybody opens that up, they're not being honest. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, tell me another one. I, I like that. Um, yeah, I'm a fun guy. Uh, yeah, whatever. There's some interesting things happening, though, with the whispers around Kawhi, you know, that he may be more interested in staying out there on the East Coast, on the Eastern Seaboard. He's just, he's just going. You really think it's a foregone conclusion? He he's going through the motions right now. He's like, why, why though? Why? What, what, what does he have to gain by doing that? Because he's got to play a full season in Toronto. No, but I, I mean, I'm not saying what, – what he's saying is not I'm you know leaning towards staying to Toronto. He has said he's open to it, and that is the thing to say. You know, there's no reason to alienate the fans that are going to see you play 41 times at home. But the whispers that are coming out are, well, Philly, New York, Brooklyn. It's not L.A., 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 which is interesting. But I want to make one observation. Since we're talking about basketball, and I think we've about Jimmy butlered ourselves out here, I want to make an observation to you about LeBron James. Oh, Lord. Here we go. And here's the thing. And, and people have, you know, it, it, it is, in most people's eyes, a foregone conclusion that LeBron will carry the Lakers to the playoffs this year. Yep. Secondly... I think it's a foregone conclusion in most people's eyes that the Lakers' ceiling this year is whatever round they meet the Warriors in the playoffs. You know, if they get in as an eight seed and and Golden State's a one, LA is going home in the first round. Is that a fair assessment? Sure. Okay. Here's the thing that has kind of been lost in history: is LeBron went with D, with Chris Bosh. And joined up a guy in Miami who had just won a world championship a couple years before that. And from that point on, dominated and was no less than the second best team in the East for the next five or six years. How many years was he in? I think it was like four or five. All right, we'll call four. But for the duration of that, he was on the best team in the East with the exception of Boston because that was sort of that whole Boston – Miami thing going. What I never stepped back and considered before was the fact of the damage that had been done to the Eastern Conference on LeBron's way to Miami. Because prior to that, the Cavaliers were one of the best couple of teams in the East. Toronto was one of the best couple of teams in the East. You stole those players away and crushed those franchises in the short term, and then took them down and took Miami as in terms of a potential competitor for LeBron, you took that away too. So you eliminated a significant chunk of the competition in your conference when Bosch and LeBron went down and joined Wade. Not being critical of them, I'm just stating a fact. With the move that LeBron made to the Western Conference, 
He didn't do anything to take anything away in terms of the strength of the teams that are already in the West, which by all accounts is the stronger of the two conferences. Sure. And then I think it's also fair to say that the players that have surrounded LeBron in L.A., regardless of what you think about their individual talents, aren't a whole lot much more than replacement-level players. It's going to be an interesting mix, and and I, I hope that it's fun to watch with Rondo and Stevenson and the rest of that crew out there. There are some kids in play, but I don't know that it's fair to expect LeBron, even though he is the best basketball player on the planet, all by himself to take a franchise that has been a train wreck without anybody else around him losing ground, not the Rockets, not the Thunder, not Portland, yep. not New Orleans, n- nobody. Everybody got stayed the stronger, you know, stayed as strong or got better. We plop LeBron out there, and the expectations are this is supposed to be the second best team in the West. I just don't know that I can see that happening. Where are you at with that? Well, as you're talking, I was looking at ESPN. What they're calling it is the training camp edition. Training camp edition. All right. Power rankings. Word. Golden State Warriors, number one. Yes. Number two, Boston. All right. Number three, Houston. All right. I'll buy all three of those. So far. Number four, Raptors. Interesting. I think they're giving Kawhi a little bit too much credit. I think they gave up too much to get Kawhi fourth best in basketball. I'm, I'm skeptical. But okay. okay. Number five, OKC. I take OKC at four. Thank you very much. Utah at number six. Yeah, Utah is the team that nobody ever remembers. Philly at number seven. That's surprising that they don't give Philly some more love because you know – ESPN, the only thing they love more than Lonzo Ball and LeBron is some doggone Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Trust the process. Trust the process. I'm so sick of it. I feel you. So, number eight added – I'm going to test your knowledge right now. They they added Aaron Holiday, Tariq Evans, Kyle O'Quinn, and Doug McDermott. They have Victor Oladipo on this team. Oh, it's Indy. I knew who it was. It's Aaron Indy. Holiday came out there. It's Indy. We got to finish this on uh, the other will. side. We of got go. one more segment left. We will finish up the power rankings. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We got one little last little bit to go. One little note. If you aren't aware, trivia has moved from Wednesdays to Thursdays at Libations on Chatham and Sanford. And um, I need a category for this week. I need to tease a category. Um, man, let's do LeBron James trivia. Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll do a LeBron James category. I like that. LeBron, 
Yes. We've done a LeBron category before. I'll have to step up my game. We'll do another one. But, yeah, come on out. We start at 6.30. 6.30 every Thursday. Come rain or shine. We run till about 8.30. Uh, cool prizes, good time, um, and food trucks. There actually will be a spring roll food truck on hand uh, for you to walk outside, get you some grub, come back in. That sounds good. Cool, cool beer. So, yeah, come on out hang out with me. That's Thursday, every Thursday, 6.30 at Libations on Chatham. Hope to see you there. You might want to mix in some tiger stuff in there too. Every once in a while. Um, you know what? I think we've done about ten tiger categories. Okay, never mind then. But um, yeah, we'll do a LeBron category, and uh, we'll we'll put we'll keep tiger in our in our back pocket. So we were like going down the power power rankings. Number eight was the Pacers, and yes. number nine in the entire league is the Lakers. All right, so this is where it gets interesting because now you and I have got to decide. Are there any of those? Well, first of all, do you have any issue with any of the teams listed ahead of the Lakers? Make a case if you do. Um, I think I was good until Indy, and it's hard for me to reconcile putting Indy until I see Oladipo do it again. If Oladipo plays like he did last year, he's one of the best 10 players in the NBA. I'm all about that, but I got I have to see that to believe it. All right, so l- let me go past the Lakers, and you tell me where it's wrong, because I really don't have a problem with any so you're okay where they are right I'm fine. Now. Okay. I'm fine with All it. Right. So at number 10, the Portland Tra- Trailblazers. That's sort of the first team that jumps into my mind. There's two of them. Let me run through right them. There. So, so Portland is there, and I'm going to bet the Pelicans are next. Nope, the Bucks. No. Now, you know I love the Bucks. Yes. But I can't in good conscience put the Bucks ahead of the Lakers because the Bucks just can't seem to win anything that matters. Yep. Going back to last year's playoffs, they had Boston beat and couldn't get it done. All right. Now, the Bucks for the next couple years, as long as Giannis is my favorite player in basketball, will be my sleeper pick, but I'm, I'm okay with them being below the Lakers. I'm going to stop at 15, okay? All right, go ahead. 12 Denver Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. coming in. Porter, save well, the I, I, I would imagine Porter doesn't play 20 games this year. Number 13. Don't sleep on that Denver team. It's pretty good. Number 13, the Pelicans. The Pelicans, I think, are better chemistry-wise without Boogie Cousins. On paper, Cousins made that team something that it just never materialized into. If the Pelicans can finally find some wing scoring, which is the easiest commodity in the NBA to find, but they just are snake-bitten. If they can get any wing scoring there, the Pelicans are a team that nobody ever, ever, ever wants to play because Anthony Davis brings a dynamic to the game that nobody else in basketball does. He is a legitimate 30-point-a-night scorer who makes you change your offense because of his presence on defense. No other big man in basketball comes close to what he does right now. Nobody wants to play him. Not to mention you got Drew Holiday, who is a guy much like Jimmy Butler, who is going to fight you for 48 minutes. Yep. I like the Pelicans. The Pelicans might be the first team that we've come to where I have a hard time having them below the Lakers. Additions, Alfred Payton, Tony Carr, Julius Randle, and Jalil Okafor. I think Randle is an awesome addition to that team. He's a guy that can play anywhere from the three to the five, doesn't need the basketball in his hands to be effective. He's another guy who'll fight you. Right. And he's going to get you some putbacks. He can finish on the break. He's going to play tough D, is not going to command a dozen looks a game. 
I like Randall a lot, especially playing in an offense with Anthony Davis, where I am certain Randall got his money, got his spot. He's going to get a chance to start, I would imagine. I don't think he is going to going to try to do too much. I think he's a great second fiddle in the post to Anthony okay. Davis. So we'll see how that shakes. All right. I'm going to stop at 15. The Wizards? No. 14. The Wizards. The Wizards. Although... That move that they made with that series of moves that wound up being Dwight Howard there, I'm going to tell you right now, may not be near as bad a move as people think. The question is going to be, is Dwight Howard willing to defer to John Wall? Because you've got two of the most powerful personalities in the NBA in that locker room together. Neither of them is going to take any lip from anybody else. The question is whether Dwight Howard steps back and says, you know what? Yeah, I'll be the number two or the number three or the number four option in this offense. If he plays like he did in in Charlotte from a number standpoint, Washington will be nasty. The problem is is that what's lost in the numbers, he didn't play particularly well off the ball. And too many times within the offense, the ball went down there and never came back out. Now, Whether or not he's going to be willing to pull that stuff on John Wall the way he did on Kimball Walker is another thing because John Wall will be the first guy to get in his face. It's going to be an interesting thing. If it works out and Howard captures lightning in a bottle for a year or two, Washington may finally get serious and make a run. I'm amazed that they were able to fix that team, if you want to call it fixing, without having to get rid of of Beal, Porter, or Wall. But they've managed to do it and keep that backcourt intact. They're going to keep it cobbled together for a while. It's all about Dwight Howard. All right. Well, last team in the uh, top fifteen. Go ahead. And don't. I need to back this up. Um, it's the Spurs. I think the only interesting story to watch is DeRozan in with San Antonio to see how he responds to being traded and he's mad and stuff like that. But I want to stop right there because. You know, they've gotten rid of Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker. It's a brand new team now. But I want to. It is. And and the key to it is Deontay Murray. They think they have a young, athletic point guard who's longer than Parker was, faster than Parker was, more dynamic than Parker was. They're going to run. It's going to be interesting to see if he can really pick it up. And and it's, it's, it's interesting to say, well, like Tony Parker did. Tony Parker hadn't been the starter out there in years. Right, you know, it's been Patty Mills and and whatever the case might be, but when you think about San Antonio basketball and Popovich, you think point guard. They think they've got their guy. If they do, they've got some nice pieces. Rudy Gay is still able to put up some points. I think he's overrated, still living on his reputation. But Lamarcus Aldridge is funny because everybody just kind of poo poos him from the time he got there through now. Lamarcus Aldridge is one of the better big men in basketball. Well, even. Yeah, I agree with you. And even Murray, so I I can get back to the Lakers. Okay. okay? Murray, who I'm going to take this as like it's my own analysis. He's an unproven three-point shooter. Yep. And he's going to cause – Popovich is going to have a problem with spacing, according to ESPN. But let's back it up. That's a Western Conference team. That's the Spurs. That's one uh, Pelicans. Let's get all the way back up to where the Lakers are. So we'll start at the very top. You got Golden State. Golden State. Then you've got Houston. Houston. Rogers in the East. OKC's out in the West. Utah Jazz. Four. Sixers in the East. P- 
Pacers in the East, Lakers. Okay, so you've got L.A. as the five seed out west. Yes. Is what ESPN is saying. And the ninth best team in the in. In the NBA. Is, is that surprising to you? Well, well it's not surprising. I, I think that's about where they're at. Um, here's the other Here's the other piece of that, though. And, and I want to say one thing on the Spurs, just real quickly. The problem the Spurs are going to have is that their two best offensive players, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, are both throwbacks. They're both mid-range, mid-range shooters. That's where your spacing issues are going to come from. DeRozan's not a three-point shooter. He's a mid-range guy. LaMarcus Aldridge makes his money from about 12 feet. Two of those guys in the offense at the same time in today's NBA, it's going to be tough. They've got their, their work cut out for them. But my point with LeBron is, is let's say for the sake of argument, their expectation from ESPN and from a lot of folks is that they'll be about a five seed out west. Let's say they're a three seed and they get bounced in the second round, round of the playoffs. From a historical perspective with LeBron James, what does a season like that mean? I mean, we're so accustomed. He's been in the finals every year for the last 55 years. If he makes the playoffs with a team out there and goes out early in the playoffs, is that just sort of the beginning of the end of LeBron being a viable, you know, life-changing type entity? Or is it just, okay, well, that, that was the one gimme year. Now we're expecting him to be back in the finals the following year. Well, they'd what be happens? playing, what, the Jazz? Yeah, something like that. I mean. Okay, Grayson Allen's your key addition <laughs> there. So, I mean, I know Donovan Mitchell, who's, like, awesome, is great. But you don't think this Lakers team will beat the Jazz and move on? And then they're probably not playing anybody until – I mean he, the finals, and I think this Lakers team might match up really well with the Rockets. Aren't the Jazz always the team though that you're like, how? how well, who's who's scared to play them? And then they beat somebody. I don't know. My thing with it is, is it, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion unless something crazy happens. LA is not even going to push the Warriors for the Western Conference Championship. I just don't see it. Ooh, I, I, I totally disagree, but wow. we don't have enough. Well, then, then then, your expectation is, what is your personal expectation? What would be success for LeBron in 2018-2019? I think they're going to push. They're going to push the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Wow. To the extent, and maybe a little bit more than he could do with Cleveland. I think he's got better assets. And you're looking at me like Kevin Love – Dude, Kevin Love is, like, having panic attacks on the court. And I'm not, like, trying to diminish that, but, like, he's got a toughness that he's never had, LeBron. Never on his team. He's never had any toughness like this. Rondo's going to start until um, – what's the kid? The, the did you really just forget Lonzo Ball's name? Yes, I did. All right. Until he gets right, I know he's been re- trying to recreate his shot, but it doesn't really matter. They got some good talent on, with the Lakers. And you have LeBron James, possibly the best player that's ever lived. This Lakers team to me just seems like Dan Snyder, the Redskins owner, bought an NBA team. No. And no. was like, I'm going to get all the guys from the video game from 10 years ago, and we're going to put together a super team. I just am I, – we are going to find out, and that's what makes sports great, and I can't wait to see it because one way or the other, I think it's going to be very interesting. I am not impressed with anybody they brought in. I am much more impressed with the kids that are in place. 
Well, this is a much better. I'm surprised what you didn't throw in was that Josh Hart may end up being the steal of the draft last year because this kid can play. Well, on top of that, I think this is a much better team than the Cleveland teams of letting LeBron coast during the regular season. I think that they can just like, you know, if it's a blowout loss, they can run some players out there and like, if it's like a blowout win, they can run some players out there. I'm looking at the list of players. They got a pretty good team. And ESPN, they're number nine in their power rankings. I'm just going to say so this one last time, mean? and I know you don't want to hear it, but the only reason LeBron didn't have Kyrie and Kevin Love together with him is because he ran Kyrie out of town. And the well, reason they couldn't go find him more help is because he got the team to give a max deal to Tristan Thompson. I – I agree that this team in L.A. is far superior to last year's team in Cleveland. The teams in Cleveland a couple years before that, I just think that they were better. Than yeah, but like LeBron's Cleveland. talking to Magic Johnson right now. Like Magic he's not Johnson, dude. I'm just saying, like Magic Johnson wanted LeBron, but they are talking almost as peers right now. And Magic Johnson's not going to sign anybody to some. Stupid contract, except for LeBron James. Like so, he got signed. Look, if you, all you got to do, all you got to do, if you disagree with me, look at the roster and then compare it to any other NBA roster in the league. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Krista Lambert. This is Brandon Atkins. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Love you guys. See you. Peace. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.